Hello, I'm excited you found your way here. I'm your host, Ashley Rennick, and you're listening to Waldorfy. In each episode, I explore and explain Waldorf education and its anthroposophical roots. Hello, everybody, and as always, thank you so much for listening in. In this episode, I'm speaking with a fantastic guest, Meredith Floyd Preston of the Waldorf Journey podcast, all about the Waldorf approach, reading, books, literacy, all of it. So there's a lot to get to in this episode. Meredith was a really fantastic guest. You'll get to hear her speak a little bit later. And she was so great in being concise and answering all of my questions, which I always appreciate from my guests. Before we get started, I, of course, have to thank all of the wonderful Waldorf Patreon supporters. What's Patreon, you may be wondering? Patreon is a platform where you can support creators like myself with a small monthly contribution. The Waldorf podcast has always been a free, accessible resource for all, but free doesn't pay the bills. Believe it or not, the cost of just one nice coffee or latte a month really goes a long way to help me keep creating the show. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a supporter, please visit patreon.com forward slash Waldorfy. And Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I also have to thank our fantastic Waldorfy podcast partner, Sparkle Stories. Sparkle Stories offers 1,400 original audio stories for children ages 3 and up. You can find a playlist of audio stories for young children that accompany this week's episode, plus sign up for an extended 30-day free trial by using the coupon code Waldorfy at sparklestories.com forward slash Waldorfy. I just love Sparkle Stories and all that they offer, and you'll get to hear me speak a little bit more about that later in this episode. So, books reading, literacy, where do I even start? This is one of my favorite topics because I love reading. I love books so much. I'm one of those people that like the books are accumulating now in my house and I have to try to find a way to really either pass them on to people that I care about or I don't know, come up with more wall space or something for bookshelves. Um, I really love reading and I really love learning and I attribute almost all of that to uh, my the gift of Waldorf education that I was able to attend a Waldorf school when I was a young child. So what's different or unique about the Waldorf approach to education in terms of literacy and reading? Well, it has come up before in many episodes throughout uh, the seven seasons of this podcast. In the traditional approach to education, the introduction of letters, phonics, reading, all of it happens early. And this is for a, a good reason within the traditional approach to education. Uh, there's uh, the mindset that any kind of difficulties or challenges need to be met and addressed early for young children. And I see and respect that. And I think that um, I'll come back, I'll circle back to kind of why I think um, that approach, there's something to be said for that approach. But to contrast that, uh, for the Waldorf approach, and this is certainly what you'll find in independent schools, this will be maybe different if your uh, child is, or if you're thinking about sending your child to a charter or um, a Waldorf public school. So within the traditional Waldorf approach to education, you'll see reading writing introduced after grade one or in grade one. So not really before. My husband, who really is like the ultimate little Waldorf baby, he went kindergarten through grade 12. Um, I've mentioned this before on the show, has zero memory of any kind of uh, learning to read in kindergarten. And the only memory he has of writing, I guess he learned how to write his name, but he's not even sure like how that appeared within the curriculum in kindergarten. So that's pretty different than what you'll find within most approaches to education. 
outside of what's happening within independent Waldorf schools. And why is it done this way within Waldorf schools? Well, there's this focus on the importance of the developing child and their well-being. So how are they developing in all aspects? So their education or them going to school, the I think the Waldorf approach just takes into account that educating a child isn't the only thing that's important to them going out into the world and being, you know, a well-adjusted, you know, person, citizen of the world. Uh, so basically, the uh, this has also been talked about on the show before, the formation of internal organs, just overall health and well-being. I think there's some question perhaps of, is it uh, is energy going away from the child developing healthily to be focused on intense or really focused on academic topics at times? Um, you know, and whether you subscribe to that or not, I think that's comes, you know, way back from uh, Rudolf Steiner, who founded Waldorf Education. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. But what I will say about this kind of delayed implementation of learning to read and write is what I have seen for myself um, and then for the children in my class and uh, subsequently my sisters and friends of my sisters is by waiting until this year seven uh, to begin learning to read. I find many children are like chomping at the bit. They're so excited to take this on. They're so ready to take this on um, that it becomes really exciting. It becomes like, oh my gosh, like, yes, we get to do this now. And I think there's like a lot to be said for that. Um, there's It's interesting because my son, who's three and a half, and we're interacting with people here, there, you know, they're like, you know, you're homeschooling or what kind of are you teaching? What are you teaching at home? And I always think like it's so interesting that there's this expectation that the young child is supposed to know something when they're still getting to know, uh, you know, themselves within the world. There's also um, the way that uh, Rudolf Steiner viewed the world uh, through anthroposophy. He had an understanding that we develop as humans in seven-year cycles. So uh, that was part of the view that children become ready for these things, learning, reading, writing after the age of seven. And I, yeah, I just think it's all very interesting because of just what I observed through my experience that there really is quite a bit more like excitement. There's no, like you don't need to pull most children into this at that age. Uh, they're really like quite ready and excited. And of course, not all children just show up at age seven, grade one, like, oh my gosh, let's learn how to read. And then it happens really fast um, either. And, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing too. I've also talked about on the show before how my husband and I are like, we're completely different and how we learned how to read. My husband, um, you know, really it took longer for him. He like he likes reading as much as I do now. And for me, it really came quite quickly. So, you know, different children will also have different experiences. I think, and I've mentioned this on the show, I'm pretty sure before too, that it's also pretty privileged to be able to go about this approach. And I mention that because I think there's this view often from, I think there's this viewpoint from people that love Waldorf that's like, this is the only way, or this is, you know, how everybody should be educated. And of course, at times, I think a little bit, you know, along those lines too, in many aspects. But the thing is that 
it's very different for a child who whose parents have chosen the Waldorf approach, be it charter school, independent school, public Waldorf, or even Waldorf homeschooling, and that this delayed implementation of reading and writing until age seven, uh, during the time that they have not been reading and writing in kindergarten at age four, at age three, or two and a half, and they're not working on those skills, they're also still doing things and interacting with the world with uh, their learning experience in a way that also sets them up to learn how to read and write, you know, when it is introduced. So for example, reading lots of parents that choose the Waldorf approach are doing a lot of reading at home or storytelling. And that's all really important for language development and creating rich pictures that children then can draw from to write, uh, to learn to write later. And actually that's uh, spoken about in an episode that I did back in season one. That's also about reading and literacy where I go much more in depth with my a fantastic guest in that episode, Helen in Ireland. Um, and that episode does not have a short link. So you'll have to either go through the website, walderfee.com to find that, or just scroll back to um, the episodes. It's in the later half of season one. So I think that this is really important to mention because, you know, children within a traditional uh, educational setting and all of the the reading and writing skills and topics that are being introduced younger, um, they may not have uh, parents where the parents have access to time or in whatever to read and, uh, you know, story, do storytelling and all these are the things that really set this child up to be um, ready. And as I described, perhaps chomping at the bit to learn how to read at age seven. So I think that there there is something to be said to that as well. I also think there's something to be said, um, interestingly, uh, in the Montessori approach as well, where teaching that uh, Mon- uh, Maria Montessori observed that children have windows of time where they have readiness or interest in learning a particular thing. Um, and after reading quite a bit now about Montessori, I've noticed that with my son. And I also wonder sometimes, oh, wow, like if he's showing, you know, this interest before, um, before age seven, like how would I go about that? So I think, um, you know, it may not be, this approach may not be for everybody. Um, in my experience, having attended a Waldorf school, it worked quite well. Um, and it just made really the outcome was the large majority of the children that I was educated with really came out really loving reading. And I think I, I can say that only because it was a small class and I was with them for so long. So, you know, I, I kind of got to see quite an arc of their experience. Now I'm going to be speaking with Meredith all about this topic. Welcome, Meredith. Thank you for coming back on the show to speak with me again so soon, all about books, literacy, and Waldorf. So my first question for you is, uh, what is the Waldorf approach to literacy? What does that approach look like in the earlier years? And then what would it look like in the upper grades? That's a really uh, big and actually ever changing question. So I'll, you know, probably the best thing for me to do is talk a little bit about like what the, what the traditional uh, historical approach to 
Waldorf approach to literacy has been. And then I would say like in the in the last five to 10 years, there have been some pretty significant changes um, to how Waldorf teachers are approaching literacy, or at least in my experience. So I can sort of talk a little bit about that. So the, the sort of historical traditional approach to literacy really has come out of this, the Waldorf ideal of teaching from the whole to the parts, right? So, I mean, we often hear this about Waldorf education that before we teach them anything, you know, breaking it down, we would teach them the whole idea about something. So if I'm going to teach my students a new song, I'm going to sing the whole song for them rather than, you know, sort of chunk it out and, and break it down and then put it together to create the whole. I'm going to give them a picture of the whole first and then break it down. So the approach to literacy has been the same way. So uh, Waldorf teachers have, you know, really taught from a whole language perspective. So we'll, you know, give students a, a book and very often child's first experience of a book coming from their classroom teacher would be, you know, something that they have, that they already know. Maybe it's a poem that they already learned. So they know all the words already. So they're very familiar with the whole already. And then they'll get the book and then they'll look at the page and then they'll look at the word and they'll already know what the word is. And then from there, they can determine the parts and look at the letters and see how the letters come together to create this whole. But they can do that because they already have a picture of the whole. And, um, and so it's this whole language approach where they're really just looking at, at the words and they're sort of immersed in the, uh, in, in the language. And they do, we do teach uh, phonics as well, but it's really in the context of their experience of, of, the the whatever it is that they're writing or reading and what and that has worked really well for many students many students can learn to read in this way this is how adults read right we don't um, sound things out when we're reading them we recognize we have a picture of the word in our minds we look at it and we can read it by just having a picture of the whole word and so for most students, it works. Uh, but we've found that there are some students who really need to learn the, the phonics behind why, why the sounds come together in the ways that they do. And so Waldorf teachers have moved increasingly towards having a more balanced approach. We've always had phonics. We've always taught phonics. Um, but we've relied a lot more, I would say, on the the whole language experience than what we're doing now. And so this is really all about how children gain literacy. This is, you know, in the early years. And then, you know, how that transforms as children move up through the grades, you know, they're still practicing and they're, um, you know, uh, learning and the, gaining more skill, I would say, right up through third grade, and then somewhere around fourth or fifth grade, they make that leap from learning to read to reading to learn. And, and then, and that's the real shift that I would say happens in those sort of middle grades. And then in, and then in the upper grades, we're just really trying to hold on to that value of, of enjoying reading and appreciating literacy. So if that's, that's sort of a, a journey through the grades, if you will, about uh, literacy and how class teachers approach it. Wow, Meredith, I've never heard such a 
like concise description of what <laughs> I just asked you to do. I'm I'm incredibly impressed that you were able to just make that was just a very good quick summary of what it all is. Um and I oh, think well, sets you. people up, yeah, for for a great kind of basic understanding. And we had been chatting earlier about this, but you also have an entire podcast episode about this on your podcast, A Waldorf Journey. So, and we'll redirect everybody to this at the end here. But anyone who's interested in you talking about this more in depth, uh, which now I want to go back and listen to that episode again after hearing you just speak, uh, that episode <laughs> is that can be found at your website too, awaldorfjourney.com. So my next question for you is about books. And I think that really what I'm, what's coming to mind for me is one of the first, I guess, like more hardcore, like Waldorf book I ever read um, was You Your Child's First Teacher by Rahima Baldwin Dancy. Yeah. And I'm remembering actually me in too. that book, it so speaks, many of us to, it speaks to like, Oh, yeah, I'm sure lots of listeners. And she's actually spoken to me on the podcast before. She's wonderful. But she and I actually even asked her about this because I was like, wow, okay, that's is even to read like with a baby, only one book in like a sitting or whatever, um, uh, which I never did. My son loves books. So we just kind of read till forever with him. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. what what constitutes a good book? Like what's a good Waldorf book for, let's say, a young child for starters? Right. That's a really good question. And so I so I would say the best book for your child is a book that your child wants to read. <laughs> you know, and I, I recognize there are books out there that we want our children to read and there are books that they really want to read. And, you know, we're trying to find the the nice happy middle of that. And I guess I've just, I've tried, I feel like in many ways, there's a lot of pressure in Waldorf education sometimes um, for parents. I certainly felt it as a parent myself, um, just feeling like I really wanted to do things the right way and choose the right um, experiences for my children. And in some ways, my worry about that got in the way of tapping into my intuition about that. Now, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe other people don't have that experience. Um, but I certainly did. And so, so I guess, you know, I would really encourage people as, as well as they can, like, if your child wants to enjoy a book with you, then you're doing it right. And enjoy that and appreciate that. And, you know, if it's a book that, maybe, you know, is not something that would be your first choice, then then think about other, you know, maybe you think about ways to to bring them other experiences as well. But, um, you know, when I when I'm looking for books, you know, so so with that sort of maybe disclaimer aside that, you know, don't don't fret too much, you know, choose choose books that your children will enjoy that you are happy to share with them and follow your intuition about that. So that said, I would say books that really inspire the imagination, you know, that where children are encouraged to create images in their mind's eye. That's really what we're looking to do. Of course, a lot of this depends on the age of the child that we're talking about. But when they are able, when they're at that place in their development where they can start generating those images and imagining the story that that you're reading, then yeah, stories that are going to do that for them, you know, being mindful about maybe books that don't feed them a lot of those images, uh, you know, that maybe just give a touch of an image to sort of 
get their imagination going, but doesn't provide all of it for them. And when um, you say a touch of an image, when you say a touch of an image, what like what age group are you meaning? Like, for example, that's not like three years old. You right, you're talking right. about like a like second grader, third grader, fourth yeah. grader kind of. Exactly. Like I would say when they're able, old enough to really where where their enjoyment of a book is really about the story and, you know, the world that is in the story, I guess that's what I'm imagining. That's where I really would like to see uh, my students creating the images and imagining the story that, that they're hearing, right? So when they're much younger, there's so much else about books that they're enjoying. It's not really always about the story, right? It's more maybe the the colors and the sound of the language and things like that. So yeah, so I guess that, yeah, it, it really does depend so much on the age of the child. Um, but then, you know, to also be just be thinking too, and this again, I'm thinking grade school about your purpose for choosing the book. Like what, what is it that you want for your child to, to get out of this book? I mean, there are books that my students read, you know, just for entertainment. There are books that they, I want them to read because it will, it's the next step in their reading learning. I want them to read books because they're curious about a topic. You know, we just um, had our block on ancient Egypt. And so they were reading all kinds of books about ancient Egypt and then books where they're immersing themselves in the, the universe of a story and to, you know, where the main intention, the main purpose of them having that book is for them to have that experience, that immersive experience. So, you know, I guess thinking about what what your purpose of presenting a book to your child is and, you know, using that in, you know, combination with your intuition uh, is is will really guide you in choosing a good book <laughs> for your child. Yes, I totally hear you where you're like, I want to make the best choice, but also this is real life. You know, when we my son loves the library and. Uh, I love the books with beautiful illustrations. You know, he's three and a half. But then the librarian, he loves trucks and tractors, and she'll sometimes pick out books that are like super cartoony and not my favorite. But, you know, he loves them. So I say, yeah, of course. You know, it's just if you love it, you know, it's a book. We'll, we'll do it. And we get lots of books there. Um, and it's interesting yeah. hearing you talk about the immersive experience in a book. I have so many distinct memories of, uh, like you said, the that fifth grade, like ancient Egypt and then sixth and seventh grade reading books uh, that really immersed us as a class, you know, students in what we were learning about and the world within what we were kind of learning about. And that you just brought me back there. Um, and that is, that's something that I <laughs> really was connecting with my own love of reading, just that immersive experience that comes from a book. And the first time you begin to experience that. So now I'm wondering how right. we can foster a love of reading in the young child. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about little ones, you know, like your son, I feel like the best thing is modeling and for them to just see that books are a part of your life as an adult and that, you know, this is something that our family enjoys together, you know, so really asking yourself is reading a regular part of your adult experience that your children witness? Do they, do they know that? Do they see you read? 
of course, reading to them, having books around, visiting the library, um, but also telling stories, you know, just really getting, I mean, that's that imaginative piece, right? Where, and this, you know, especially as they're getting older, where they are able to just imagine the stories that uh, that you tell, uh, just having an appreciation for the world of stories is it, when they're in the habit. I see this with my students so much. The ones who, when they were in first grade, were the most like rapt attention in my stories where they were like their jaws just were dropped open when I was telling stories are like the most voracious readers now. And so, so I do think there's this, a, a strong connection uh, between that, that just oral tradition of telling stories and then ultimately enjoying books as when they get higher up into the grades. Um, so yeah, just encouraging their imagination, um, helping them just to know what it feels like to enter into uh, a narrative and, and a, a story in that way. So, um, and then, you know, I think too about how different it is as you move, as they get older and how my goals as a teacher really change as as my students are getting older. So I think about, you know, when when they were in third and fourth grade, I really wanted them to like any book that we read or anything I assigned to them was like I was trying to send the message and help them to build the idea that reading is something I do and enjoy. And, and, you know, that was sort of in third and fourth grade and that it was, you know, it's a regular part of my life. And then now that we're, we're in fifth grade now, uh, there's such a tendency for kids to get really stuck reading the same book over and over. My own children, I can't, I will never forget. They finished, I don't know, Harry Potter or something. They finished the book and then they just flipped it back over and started on page one again. And they just read that book over and over and over. And many of my students do that same thing. And so I'm really trying to encourage them now to enjoy a wide array, lots of different kinds of stories, different, you know, fiction, nonfiction. And so I often go to the library and check out bags and bags of books just to have in my classroom so they can have different experiences. But, but yeah, that love for reading just looks different at the different ages and for us to really be thinking about, you know, what, what aspect of reading do we want to encourage in our children at this specific age. So I think with the young child, it really is just like books are around. They see that reading is a part of everyday life and they see you do it, they engage in it, um, and that that relationship will change as they get older. Yes. And we mentioned it earlier in uh, this segment that you have a podcast, A Waldorf Journey, and you also have mm -hmm. a bunch of amazing resources on your website, which I love. And I know especially a bunch of the homeschool families that are listening are going to enjoy. So you want to, do you want to speak a little bit about all the resources that you have at your website too? Sure. Yeah. My website is a waldorfjourney.com. And I just started out blogging just about my teaching and my um, experience. So there are a whole bunch of blog posts. I think 
every grade is covered now and um, lots of blog posts, but I also create uh, curriculum materials and courses for Waldorf uh, teachers and homeschoolers. Uh, and yeah, when I first started teaching, there just was, there was not much information out there. We, all of us Waldorf teachers were sort of reinventing the wheel every year. And so I was uh, happy, like what I, once I got going uh, to put my things together and share them with people. So yeah, that's all right there. And I've had lots of homeschooling families really um, make use of my materials. I'm definitely a classroom teacher, so you can hear that in um, my blog posts and things, but there's there's lots that translate. So um, it's a lot of fun and it's just as much for me as it is for um, people who read my posts. I really get a lot out of processing my teaching experience there. Yes, and such a lovely benefit for all of us listening and, and reading too. So thank you for sharing everything that you share, Meredith. And thank you for coming on the show to speak with me again. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks for all you do. I really appreciate your podcast. Have you been looking for something specially crafted to entertain and enrich your child's developing mind? Wouldn't it be amazing if this content promoted values like kindness, empathy, and respect to help build a gentler world? Would you love a break but feel a little guilty about turning the TV on? Then you're going to be pretty excited to learn about Sparkle Stories. With Sparkle Stories, your family can enjoy a world of 1,400 plus original audio stories for ages three and up. Sparkle Stories is dedicated to helping the world go a little slower and be a little kinder. Their audio-only approach invites children to adventure, wonder, and dream in a safe and secure way. Audio stories are a low-pressure way to make even the shyest of readers hungry for more adventure and learning. My older son is three and a half, and I love that I can search for stories based on his age or story topic. For him, I love that stories are recorded slowly for young ears, ensuring maximum comprehension and enjoyment. It's been such a nice way to build a quiet rest time into our active days. I've also gifted Sparkle Stories to my six-year-old niece twice now, and I know she enjoys the longer tales and ongoing series. My favorite thing about Sparkle Stories? It is such a great alternative to the TV. Their audio-only stories spur children to use their imaginations and grow their curiosity compared to image-based entertainment like TV. Especially having our new little one in the house, I love using Sparkle Stories to keep my three-year-old's mind engaged and having fun while I get things done. I've teamed up with Sparkle Stories to offer an extended 30-day free trial so you can enjoy the entire library of Sparkle Stories, over 1,400 original audio stories for ages three and up, and you can trust me, you will enjoy. To check out a list of the Sparkle Stories our family enjoys most and additional playlists of stories to accompany each episode throughout the seventh season, I know, so cool, you can check out sparklestories.com forward slash Waldorfy. To get access to your 30-day free trial of Sparkle Stories just for Waldorfy listeners, just visit sparklestories.com forward slash sign up and use code Waldorfy at checkout. And that code is good through the end of 2022. I just love Sparkle Story's selection of gentle stories for growing minds. Again, a super special thanks to Meredith for speaking with me all about this topic of reading, books, literacy, and the Waldorf approach. You're going to be able to find links to all of what Meredith mentioned that she offers, the podcast episodes that she has covered on the topics of reading, literacy, um, in addition to a link to the episode that I mentioned earlier in this episode, the episode that I did talking about reading and literacy back in this first season of Waldorfy, all at the show notes page for this episode, which is Waldorfy.com forward slash reading. 
So how am I implementing this in my home with my young children? That's what this final segment of the show is supposed to be about in this season. But my three and a half year old is my older one is just three and a half. So of course, uh, we are not really, you know, we're not really teaching him to read yet. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, I've done uh, a bit more reading about Montessori and the Montessori approach. And I am interested to see if uh, my son will start to exhibit uh, kind of readiness and eagerness and interest in learning to read before the age of seven, where his birthday falls in the year. Um, it is uh, in May. It's looking like, you know, not a sure thing. Thing, but the likelihood is that uh, we will hold him back. This is really common within the uh, Waldorf approach to education that uh, Waldorf school will prefer that the first grader entering is going to be seven for the majority of the first grade year. I don't know where that's come up in the show before, and I apologize that I can't pinpoint it right now, but it's definitely been discussed at some point. Oh, you know what? Actually, it is the episode about first grade, which you can find at waldorfie.com forward slash first grade. First grade readiness is touched on just a little bit there. So that being said, my son will be doing three years of kindergarten. At this point, he has a huge interest in books. He loves reading. I mentioned when I was speaking with Meredith that I never really adhered to that's something that Rahima Baldwin Dancy points out in her book that, you know, with a with a tiny baby, you know, you only really want to sit down and focused uh, with focused attention on a book, just one book at a time. Um, and that's one of those things where, you know, some people may adhere to some of the you know, recommendations or insights or indications that people who are working out of Rudolf Steiner's indications, um, you know, may say or advise or is kind of found out there. Um, And then some people are not adhering to some of these things at all, but still really believe in the Waldorf approach or even maybe Waldorf teachers and and educators. Uh, So for myself, I have always read as much as my son is interested in. Um, You know, of course, there was a time and I have a 10 month old now where sitting down to do one picture book at a time is kind of all we can do. Um, And that's definitely where my 10-month-old is now. The ideal book for him um, and is, you know, if you kind of read up more about the Waldorf approach and I'm sure maybe comes up in the season, uh, last season that I did about early Waldorf education for a really little baby, picture books are really great because it's allowing them to just begin using their imaginations and as a parent or carer, you can really engage um, with the pictures kind of as much or as little as the child is interested. It's a really, really great way to begin engaging with books with a baby and definitely how I was really consciously trying to approach it with my young children. So out of that, I just started to notice uh, and just get more books over time. They were either gifted to us or I would purchase them and just sit and read a book with my son. Sometime around 15 or 18 months old, maybe a little bit earlier, he really started to get interested in reading more than one book in a sitting. And that very quickly turned into like six books. Um, And he would just want to listen and listen and listen over and over and over again uh, to different books. And my husband and I loved it. At the time, we were building our house and we were living with my in-laws, who many of you know, um, are very were very involved with Waldorf education. My father-in-law was a Waldorf teacher for many years, and they were also reading him books. And we would just read him books all the time. Um, It was great that at the time there were no other children in the house and he had all access 
to all of this adult time, which was lovely. So yeah, that's really kind of where it started for him. Over time, I began... Over time, I began collecting books that I thought were beautiful. So I think uh, beautiful artistry, beautiful illustrations, beautiful writing and verse. I just, I enjoy as an adult reading with my son. And so that's what I started kind of cultivating. Um, and I think that the beautiful illustrations are something that also allow a child's uh, imagination to kind of move along with the story in, in a really a different way than just photographs. Now I have books with with photographs as well. Um, but it's not like I, you know, didn't, didn't go with that at all. But basically I think in the beginning, I just loved the beauty and the artistry of it. And I always love bringing in beauty and artistry. Uh, and I guess craftsmanship would be a way to describe how I appreciate the illustrations in children's books. So I was really just consciously trying to bring that into his sphere. And of course is enjoyable for me as well. I'm looking at a book right now. My favorite uh, children's author, I have to tell you, is Phoebe Wall. Um, Little Witch Hazel is my absolute favorite book to read with my son right now. I want to read it every day all the time. It's not his favorite. So, of course, I kind of only get it in there when you know, we're going maybe for a long read with a stack of books or something. Backyard Fairies is another book um, of Phoebe Walls. There are a lot of good ones. And she's an amazing illustrator. Um, and I highly recommend her books, um, really for all ages. I find them so enjoyable. And so where this is kind of run now is when my uh, second was born and and, you know, we live in a tiny town and there's not much to do. You can't go very far because you're kind of tied to home with nursing and naps and all, all this stuff. Uh, so I started going to the library and this started off, you know, something I think my second was like six weeks old special that I could do with my older one. I'd have my littler one sleeping in the carrier and it was just kind of this special time. We get to go pick out books and then come back and he loved new books. So this was just a great, way more sustainable, affordable way to get lots more books into our lives. And what would happen at the library is he, you know, has an interest and he would want to go that down the rabbit hole of that interest and get every single book in the library on that topic. Trucks, fire trucks, trains. Uh, I know now a huge one with him is Thomas the Tank Engine. I find super cartoony as, you know, these trains are kind of characters, maybe not what I would have chosen for him with like beautiful illustrations or whatever, but he's passionate and he could read these books all day long. And you know what? I want to follow that. It feels good to him. It feels good to me. And that's what we're doing. So I think that there's um, going to be moments for every parent interested in the Waldorf approach like this, where you find something, your child is passionate about it, your child is interested, or it feels really good to you. It feels really good to you with your child. And you know, it's fitting in like with the ethos of your family and values of your of your family unit. And go with it. I just feel like in my heart of hearts, I'm not saying it's not Waldorf by any means to just like go get every cartoony book or whatever. Um, but you know, it's like I said, not what generally I kind of fit for myself into this Waldorf picture. And I have just kind of open Pandora's box at the library. Um, and with books in general, it's like whatever we're interested in, uh, I just let, let's go there. Let's do it. And I love that. And I just love seeing him, uh, his interests grow and us being able to dive into the depths of whatever the, whatever the interest is. It's amazing. I will also say about libraries, um, and I travel to different states within the U.S. and I can't speak to 
outside the U.S., but if you go to your local library and they don't have a book that you want, you can make what's called an interlibrary loan request. You can request that book um, if it Generally, the way it works within the U.S. is if it's over one year old, they'll request it from another library within the state. Almost all of the interlibrary loans I've ever requested, I've been able to get this way, and I do this for books for myself as well. Um, And then they ship it to the library, and then you get that book for two weeks, some states even three. So that's really an incredible resource. So pretty quickly, we went through every single like truck and tractor book within our library. And then we started getting interlibrary loans um, of books that, you know, I would look up books and find books I knew that he would love. And that's how we started to get even more. Um, And just being able to, you know, keep this interest in this love of reading. And this also fits into the rhythm of our day. So many topics in the season kind of uh, intersect, right? Uh, reading is part of our daily rhythm. So when it's just me at home with my young children and my husband isn't there, it's a little less. And when my husband's there, he does a lot of reading with my uh, three and a half year old. For me, it comes up when my uh, littler one is going down for his second nap. And after we've had lunch and cleaned up, then my older one and I sit down and read books. We used to be at a point where we were reading like 10 books in one sitting. Um, But with my littler one now, it's just like too exhausting. I need more rest and I need more time in my day to get things like started for dinner or, you know, just things that come up. And so now we do more like three to six little books and then he goes into his sparkle story. We listen to a sparkle story at that time. Um, and then also we do a book before bedtime that he gets to select. And it's been a very special thing to witness. Uh, right now, uh, my t- uh, 10-month-old is kind of too little for this. So my three-and-a-half-year-old picks a book for his little brother. And this is such a special place that they've really begin, uh, they've been beginning to interact. It's so cute to watch. The one thing I would say about my approach to books that I have tried to adhere to, I guess, in a quote-unquote Waldorf way, is just choosing things that are de- developmentally appropriate. Um, sometimes I find a book that's recommended for four or five or six-year-olds, my three-year-old loves. It's great. And he has like, I'm thinking of something, you know, that's even super long. Like Blueberries for Sal is a long book, but my son loves it. Like he loves the illustrations. He'll love sitting and listening uh, to that book. But other books, uh, more it's kind of like, is there something super scary for a really little child? Um, Even just introducing topics in a way that you kind of don't feel comfortable with. Um, I found that books that I loved as uh, a child are not really appropriate for him. And that's for a variety of reasons as my own content. Consciousness has evolved, um, you know, and now as an adult and as a parent and what I want to bring into the sphere of my son. So, you know, there's all and there's on the flip side of that, there's things that I felt I have to bring into his sphere um, in a developmentally appropriate way and introduce to him as really part of his education as a citizen of the world and that are really important to get into, uh, you know, at his age. So, yeah, it's there's so much to get into here. So really my approach to reading and everything is just reading to him right now. And yeah, I probably, I'm almost certain we will, my husband and I will follow through with, you know, some Waldorf approach with our children, be that homeschooling or, you know, our children going through our local Waldorf school. And I'm sure that this approach obviously through that process will evolve over time. So that is this episode for you. Again, a big thanks to our generous Patreon supporters. Learn more and sign up to become a supporter at patreon.com forward slash Waldorfy. 
Know that the show notes and resources for this episode can be found at waldorfie.com forward slash reading. That was hard to make that short link because there are a bunch of words in the title for this episode, but there you have it. You'll have a link there to the episode that I did previously about literacy and reading, and I get much more into the approach to literacy and reading and writing um, in that episode back in season one. You'll find a link on that page to that episode, as well as links to uh, everything that Meredith offers and the episodes that she's done on reading and literacy as well. A huge thanks again to Sparkle Stories, our Waldorfie Season 7 partner, to get access to an extended 30-day free trial of Sparkle Stories. Just use the coupon code Waldorfie at checkout. Just visit sparklestories.com forward slash Waldorfie, where you'll be able to find the playlist of audio stories for young children that accompany each episode in the seventh season, which is just so cool. They've been such an incredible, incredible partner. Thank you all for listening in. One of the ways that you can support the show is by writing a positive review. You can do this wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts is a great place to do this. And you can also follow along on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, but definitely the most active on Instagram. And throughout this seventh season, I've been a little bit more active in the stories in that space, just sharing and talking a little bit more uh, kind of in a visual context about how I approach each of these topics within my own home. Thank you all again just so much for listening in. Be well.